0: Hey, what's it, hey, what if it is? What if this is the Bell Witch? You are living on his property.
1: Welcome to a very special and distant episode of What the Actual Laugh. For those of you who have never listened, this really is a pretty nifty episode for you to dive in on because usually I tell tales of true crime. Now, this one may kind of be crimey, but it's more. Did I say crimey? Anyways, it's more spooky and a supernatural. You see, I am currently in Tennessee. <laughs> because of that, I thought it would be pretty great to tell stories that center around this state. So what do I have for you? First of all, to those of you who've never been here, hey, my name is Harmony and, well, I'm sure you've figured out, I'm the host here. Next, if you know anything about Tennessee, I'm sure the next few words coming out of my mouth you're going to be like, oh, I know this. Or if you're also into the spooky stuff like me, you're probably also going to gasp a little bit and go, oh, this one's going to be fun. We have a lot of, like, supernatural stuff in history. Whether you believe it or not is up to you. But there's a lot of spookies and word-of-mouth stories out there that we tell. But what about the documented ones? Ones that could be less myth, less legend, and more, well, kind of spooky truth-ish somewhere in the, the past? Okay, what am I talking about? I'm talking about the famous Bell Witch. This is a tale of a spirit that was so widespread all over Tennessee in the early 1800s that it caught the attention of the general and future president, Andrew Jackson, who, side note, was also from Tennessee. He was actually from Nashville, and I don't know why I said also like I am. I meant also as in that's where the spooky, scary ghost is from in this story, and uh, well, so is Mr. Jackson. Should I call him that? He was a he was a president, so I feel like that's the formal way to address him. Now, I hear you. In case you don't, like, subscribe to supernatural stuff or know anything about Tennessee, what the fuck is a bell witch, Harmony? Well, it's a supernatural story, buddy. It, now, the, the details, they differ from version to version. However, the prevailing account is that the bell witch claimed to be the spirit of Kate Batts. Kate was a rather unfriendly person and a neighbor of a man by the name of John Bell. Now, you see, Kate was rather… she felt pretty scorned and kind of angry, especially at John, because she felt that she was cheated out of a land purchase by him specifically. Now, no one really knows if this is, like, for sure, but this is just where the main prevailing account of it all starting is, but she definitely had some sort of issue with John. There's a very famous picture as well associated with all of this, and that is of Betsy Bell. Now, this isn't like a photograph that you and I would think of when we say picture. This is more of like a crude drawing. Actually, it's not crude, it's actually pretty well done, but it's a drawing and it's called the Queen of the Haunted Dell. So Betsy Bell is John Bell's youngest daughter. So Betsy would actually be tortured by the witch for several years in her childhood. There are many ghosts and like haunting stories all about America's history. America is kind of a spooky place from time to time. I mean, to be fair, to be fair, the rest of the world is also kind of spooky from time to time as well. We got a lot of weird shit in our past, like for real, you should sit down and Google it once in a while. You could probably be pretty shocked. However, not a lot of them are as documented as the evidence of the Bell Witch. The human interactions as well that date back to 1817 are pretty bizarre. Listen, you can have a hard time believing in the afterlife all you would like. That's okay with me. But I do believe that's very narcissistic of us as, well, humans a society and just existing, to believe that this is it. there's nothing possibly else at all. I mean we're literally electronically sustained piles of meat walking around making vibrations that we call words on a floating rock in a vacuum of nothingness with balls of gas. So (laughs) maybe have an open mind. Let's go on a figurative because I'm not leaving 40 minute drive from where I'm at in Nashville and talk about the bell witch and the bell witch cave. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, are you ready to get a little scared? Because I am alone right now and also in Tennessee, just super close to where this happened, so (laughs) I am!
2: Welcome to Tennessee in the Southeastern United States. Day or night, the state is home to all genres of music. From bluegrass to country, delta blues to rock and roll. The legendary clubs along Beale Street in Memphis were among the first to feature Elvis Presley and Johnny Cash. Nashville, the state capital, is also the capital of country music recording. But something that's frequently overlooked by visitors who come for the entertainment are the mountains and fertile plains of rural Tennessee. About 40 miles, or 60 kilometers north of Nashville, lies this quaint little town of Adams. Population, 628. Visitors can expect to be treated to legendary Southern hospitality. But this peaceful setting is better known for something sinister. 200 years ago, apparitions and horrific events tormented a local family. Even today, some descendants feel they're still being shadowed by an evil spirit. Beginning 196 years ago, bells
1: were tormented by what they called a spirit. The neighbors called a witch. Some people call a demon. Widely considered by ghost hunters and many paranormal investigators as one of America's most haunted locations, the story of the Bell family dates all the way back to 1884. So John Bell moved his wife, Lucy, and their children from North Carolina to Robertson County, Tennessee. This is where he purchased 320 acres of farmland along the Rand River. In 2023, that wouldn't be possible unless you were a very wealthy person. We're talking Oprah rich, okay? Sorry, I digress. The family would actually live very, very peacefully for 13 years right there on their 320 acres of property. That just sounds astronomical right now. Now in the summer of 1817, everything would change, and not at all in any good way. The family began experiencing things that would change their lives forever. What started as seeing strange animals on the farm led to hearing really spooky and eerie sounds right there in the cabin. Or their their house, their home, where where they resided. At this point, a few accounts begin to vary on who or what was causing the disturbances or why they were even being tormented. The sounds the family heard started to escalate. Suddenly, there was a real voice that had no body speaking directly to them. Then, it could be heard in every single room of the house. Now, this entity, or unseen voice entity, was especially terrorizing John's youngest daughter, Betsy. Y'all remember, I mentioned her a little bit earlier. Betsy was getting beaten and she was being left unconscious, just like, this was, it was real rough. Now a lot of people started to get wind of this, and it became like all over spreading word of mouth, like wildfire throughout the countryside. It was so like widespread that people started camping out on that massive squad of land right there. They were just like, we want to see the ghost. We want to know what's going on. What's happening here? This bell witch, as it became known, vowed to kill John Bell. And, subsequently, three years later, when John did, you know, die, kick the bucket, said goodbye, punched his final time card, the bell witch was like, yeah, that's right, <laughs> I did that. So John died on December 20th of 1820. And a rather strange vial of some odd liquid was actually found right next to his deathbed. His death would be attributed to the bell witch. This would make Tennessee the only state to ever recognize a person's death to be of supernatural circumstances. Huh? <laughs> Learn something new every day, don't ya? So the Bell Witch didn't just murk somebody; she also could like tell the future. Yeah, she gave really accurate predictions. Now the predictions weren't like fun ones, they were really dark ones actually. (laughs) Kind of make you sad. She gave accurate predictions of the future and her vows to John Bell's children of her return in the future years. Did she return? Or did it like never actually leave? Let me continue to tell you the story and you can figure it out or you can decide for yourself which one you think it is. Please stick around to the end because I really have another interesting story about Tennessee, and this one comes from Nashville. In fact, this one comes from a restaurant I got food from. F- fruit, fruit from. That's that's like food, but it's not really, so it's why it's called fruit. I got food from last night, and that would be Burger Up, located in Nashville is a real twisting story. There's not a whole lot on it, but it's kind of messed up. Anyways, let's continue with The Bell Witch and the spookiness, and you know, let's just uh, enjoy this really weird episode of What the Actual Left, because it's a spooky one, and it's gonna end with, well, all bad death. Also, did I mention I'm alone? <laughs> this is fun.
0: The Bell Witch story in Adams, Tennessee is infamous.
2: This was the only haunting ever investigated by a state government. They concluded that this was a supernatural event. Widely recognized as the most famous haunting this country has ever seen, the Bell Witch has been the subject of numerous articles, books, and even a major motion picture.
0: The Bells was haunted in
2: 1817 to 1820. That's almost 200 years ago. Right.
1: This is a really, really creepy story, and the fact that it's got some evidence is even more creepy. But before we dive darker, uh, deeper, sorry, (laughs) I want to say something because I find this really bizarre. I wish I was making this up to make this episode even more creepy, but I'm not. A couple hours ago, I was recording this episode, and then all of a sudden, all of my electronics just were like, we're not gonna work. For some reason, I couldn't get any audio to work, I couldn't get anything to load, everything was going haywire, I couldn't record, and if I could record, it would crash. So I just find that a little interesting that I'm telling you guys a very creepy ghost story that happened not so far away from me. And uh, it's also got a lot of documentation of some evidence, you know, that a ghost may have killed somebody. And uh, everything just kind of went haywire when I started to tell the story about that murderous spirit this is gonna be really fun someone come save me okay so uh, now that we're entering this spine-tingling tale that is going to absolutely terrify the shit out of you you'll find that the Appalachian Mountains are they have a lot of lore they have a lot of scary stories all in and of themselves so, when you have some real evidence about some creepy shit that's happening out there, it makes it even more spooky. And the Bell Witch, you know, besides Bigfoot and Skinwalkers and Mr. Windy Boys out there, is actually really interesting. The Bell Witch is a terrifying story. As I said, back in 1804, John Bell and his wife Lucy and their nine children. That's right. Not one, not two, not three, not four, but nine. They moved on over to Adams, Tennessee, where they built that farm on those—oh, I'm sorry. By the way, did I say 320 acres? I was wrong. It was roughly a (laughs) thousand. How, how dare I get a number like that incorrect? Oh my god, I hate being an adult in 2023. Now, like I said, they lived super peaceful and all that stuff started happening, but we didn't go into the details of how eerie and terrifying that stuff was. Would you like to know? Because it's really, really scary, and the fact that it's documented and so many people went through, witnessed, and had such odd bizarre things occur, I think you should stick around.
0: john bell's headstone is a grave reminder of what this witch can do and we are led to this hidden site by a direct descendant
2: this is it wow do you believe the bell witch killed your ancestor i do he was poisoned
1: when the real spooky stuff started to begin it was 1816 john started to encounter a very strange dog-like creature apparently according to the lore he did try shooting at it a few times but he never really got it by 1817 a lot of occurrences are starting to plague the bells and their land other family members were even reporting sightings of really odd looking creatures not just on the land but around the house these really odd encounters with unusual creatures gradually became even more bizarre and more terrifying. There were a ton of accounts of unnerving tapping on windows, unexplainable gnawing sounds at bedposts, and the sound of wings flapping against the house's ceiling. The family also reported, if nothing else was already terrifying, sounds of choking and strangulation. They also heard, like a real Christmas carol, if you will, the clanging and clacking of heavy chains being dragged across the floor's house. I'm surprised that Bob Barley didn't come out and say, Ebenezer. I'm sorry, I'm getting creeped out, so I have to make a joke. Now, of course, like anybody else, the Bells are like, we we gotta find something rational to explain this, right? Like, (laughs) this can't be a ghost, can it? The sad thing is they couldn't find any rational reason, so they were like, oh shit. This is, this is ghosts, isn't it? Honestly, whatever was invading the Bell family house soon increased its intensity. Why do I have a podcast? Its intensity. Some of the nine children began reporting being pinched and punched. Others would have their hair pulled and their blankets would be ripped off of them as they were sleeping. Holy shit! I would shit the bed, I would be so fucking scared, I'm sorry. I, nope, mm no thank you. I'm done, can't do it. Nope, tell me, tell me you'd be okay. You wake up after something fucking punched you and was pinching you and all of a sudden your blanket's ripped off of you and you can't even hide under it. You would be, you'd be scared. Come on, don't even, <clears throat> don't even lie. Now, all of this was happening to everybody with the exception of Lucy and one of her children. So at this point nine members of the family had terrifying run-ins with this unwanted and very spooky house guest. And this all continued for five years. Oh my god! Could you imagine? <laughs> Woo! I would be crying I would I, I don't I don't know how the market is back in the 1800s, but I mean they had a thousand acres couldn't they have hid? anywhere else on the property i mean like just anywhere else i guess it really wouldn't matter because well (laughs) more people around the property because they were coming to see what's going on started seeing a lot of spooky stuff too so i guess it was just the whole property as we're gonna learn to find out did i say learn to find out i did okay yep yep okay
0: it's not long before the story reaches a hot-headed general in nashville whom the three oldest bellboys had served under, named Andrew Jackson. The future president had made a name for himself in the War of 1812 as a rowdy man of the people. In 1819, he assembles a posse of men to go after the bell witch, including a self-proclaimed witch slayer who doesn't have a name, so let's call him Phil. Jackson loads up a wagon and heads to Adams, Tennessee. Why? Well, mostly for fun. A few miles before they reach the bell farm, the wagon freezes in place on a clear road. The horses pull as hard as they can, but it's like the wagon is glued to the road. Jackson raises his hands and says, By the eternal, boys! It's the witch! From the bushes comes a shrill, metallic voice. All right, General. Let the wagon move on. I'll see you again tonight. The wagon starts to move again, but the men can find no trace of anyone in the area, so they just press on. Jackson arrives at the bell house at nightfall. As the family settles in for the night, the men gather around the fire, Wait. After several uneventful hours, Phil, the witch slayer, springs to his feet and lifts up his pistol and explains he's packing silver bullets, and the witch must be afraid. Well, then she should show her braggart's colors. Immediately the witch screams out. Here I am, general as promised and ready for business. An invisible force starts beating Phil brutally. He tries to fire his pistol but it won't work. Uh-uh, I'll make it easy. Go ahead and shoot for Christ's sakes. But no one can see anything and Phil can't fire his gun. My turn. She slams Phil against the wall and drags him across the room, kicks him in the butt right out the door. There is one more fraud among you, and I will reveal them before the night is over. Jackson's men beg him to leave. I'd rather fight the British again over this witch. He says but makes them stay, so he can figure out himself who this fraud was. They all settle into their tents outside the house for the night, with the witch continuing to verbally abuse them, most of which was calling Jackson's wife back. No one knows exactly what happened next, but Jackson and his men were spotted the next morning in Springfield on their way back to Nashville. Jackson would never speak of this event, most likely because he was too embarrassed, and with the dirtiest election of all time coming up, he probably didn't want it brought up.
1: Betsy Bell was particularly tormented by this spirit or specter or ghost. Her fiancé, Joshua Gardner, also became a target, and somehow, could be because of the ghost, she would end up finally calling off her marriage to Joshua, and I believe this is more in fear of what might actually happen to him. Because in all accounts and what you can check in the records, like, they were really in love and she really cared about him, but... This freaking ghost was making their life hell. So, she was just too afraid to continue to be with the man that she loved so much and put him in any sort of danger. She did, however, once he was gone, still continue to be tormented by this spirit. I hate saying this, but this is part of the history and it just really makes my stomach turn. But Dean, a slave that was part of the Bell's family service, He claimed that the witch actually appeared before him in front of him, he said, as a black dog. He even said sometimes it wouldn't just be this black dog, it would show itself as a two-headed wolf. He also claimed that he had been turned into a mule and he was also attacked by the witch as well. He's not the only slave on the farm that had these strange encounters though. Others on the farm also reported having been beaten and tortured by well what they were calling the bell witch as you also just heard in the audio andrew jackson decided as well to come and check out this terrifying specter himself he had his very own terrifying experiences while on the way and at the bell residence not just andrew jackson jack jackson not just Andrew jackson not just andrew jackson Jackson, but every one of his crew that came with him were terrified and genuinely believed that a malicious specter or spirit of some sort was haunting the Bell family home and property. So, who or what exactly was the Bell Witch? She reportedly answered that herself. I am a spirit. I once was very happy, but I have been disturbed and made unhappy. I am the spirit of a person who was buried in the woods nearby. The grave was disturbed and my bones disinterred and scattered. And one of my teeth was lost under this house. I am looking for that tooth. Of course, if you look up to see who is the Bell Witch, you're gonna get a name and that is Kate Batts, as I told you. Many of the Adams, Tennessee locals do believe that this woman was behind the happenings at the house and property. The Bell, which abuse and torment gradually took a heavy toll on John Bell's physical and mental state. He eventually became bedridden. So whether it be Kate Batts or not, whoever it was or whatever it was, was absolutely destroying a man and his family. As stated on December 19th of 1820, his son John Jr. went to the medicine cabinet to get his father's medicine. But instead of seeing the usual three bottles of medicine, he only saw one. According to records, the witch spoke. It is useless for you to try to relieve old Jack. I've got him this time, and he will never get up from that bed again. Then she stated, Gave old Jack a big old dulce of it last night while he was fast asleep, which fixed him. John Sr. died the very next day. And the witch was said to have caused quite the ruckus at his funeral as well, did not stop at his death, she was still going. In fact, according to the legend, records, and lore, the bell witch attended the funeral, I guess you could say with bells on, but I'm just because she was said to have been singing all sorts of drinking songs and just having a real time of her life. That sounds pretty fucked up, man people trying to grieve over who she killed and she's just out here like one two skip a boo. Hit me some beers i'm drunk over here or i don't actually know any like 1800s drinking songs i just made that one up anyways that's sort of really the story of well (laughs) the bell witch however there's still kind of a bit more and that would be the bell witch cave
2: It's time. We're going to the cave. Okay, we can't smoke here. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Literally
0: enter at your own risk. It's like right down here. It's like <laughs> an demonic procession, like a really tiny writing. You need a magnifying <laughs> glass to see it. Dude, and just like The Conjuring, we're walking into the woods at the back of the house. It's all connected. I this already. We are
2: on a trek down Yo, to nowhere. We are. Oh, this wait, is-, oh. is this it? Oh my Dude. god.
1: You want to go visit this place? You want to get the shit scared out of you? Are you ready to be shaken in your boots? Yeah, I mean, kind of, me too. So if you want to do that, the only original feature of the Bell farm that can still be seen today is a cave located on what was once the Bell's property. Visitors are very much able to explore the cave and see it much as the family would have back in the early 1800s. In 2008, the cave was listed on the National History Registry. The historic Bell Witch Cave manages the site and has also preserved the original chimney stack of the Bell's home. Their cabin has also been reconstructed and turned into a museum, which has like historic photos and other relevant documents that can be viewed there as well. If you yourself want to learn more about The Bell Witch, go ahead, it's a spooky story and there's a ton of movies, there's so many pop culture references, there's really no shortage of information out there. I'm 100% positive that one of the trips that I'm here in Tennessee, I'm going to take that 40-mile trek, and I'm gonna go see those caves, and I'm gonna see what I feel, what I experience, and just say that I survived the Bell Witch. I mean, <laughs> hopefully I do, right? <laughs> she says, kidding, but also kind of terrified. All right, so that was the story of the Bell Witch, but hey, I have another story for you before I say goodbye. And This one's a lot more recent and a little bit more freaking twisted. First, though, <laughs> order up!
2: All right, we're gonna
0: go burger it up in about 40 minutes we'll take you inside with us <laughs> okay dude so how packed is this place dude it's packed look like, yeah yeah so checking out all these tables right here you sit next to them you don't even know i know it's like family style
1: you ever just really want a burger i did yesterday and i got one not to be a dick or anything, it really wasn't that good of a burger. In fact, I took a few bites and I threw it away. I don't think that was the restaurant's fault at all. I think that was actually Uber Eats. You see, I had a whole ordeal with them. I actually woke up this morning them taking more money out of my account, which I didn't approve. It's their giving it back. But there's a whole thing there, and it took over. Almost, it was almost a two hour wait for a 40 minute delivery. That we were quoted. Anyways, so we had soggy food. It really wasn't the best. It wasn't horrible, but it wasn't like delicious. I'm sure if you would have gone there, it would have been much better because it has amazing reviews. But I'm not here to talk about their food. I'm here to talk about Miranda and Michael. And what happened on Saturday, March 3rd, 2012. Sometime around 3:17 that Saturday morning, Michael hit Send michael and miranda owned burger up right here in nashville so sending emails was a rather normal thing for michael which is exactly what he had done except this one was a little bit different this one wasn't really a work email this was a rather angry email he actually was intending to obviously hurt someone it was a thousand plus grievance letter full of stress and heartbreak all about divorce he sent it out to roughly about a hundred people, copying and pasting his words and going on about how he was going to end his life. He then got into his truck and drove on down to his restaurant, Burger Up. He built this with his business partner and now estranged wife, Miranda Whitecomb Pontes. Points? Ponts, Pontes? I really couldn't find how to say their name because you'd be surprised how little news coverage there is about this. In fact, if my friend hadn't told me, I never would have known about this, but this is pretty interesting. So he pulled out a can of pink spray paint when he gets to his restaurant, right? And this isn't, like, just, like, a kind of pink. This is, like, fucking hot pink. This is pink that you can see from miles away. Like, that's fucking pink! Not really miles, but, like, several blocks for sure. So he starts spray painting a rather really mean word. (laughs) Michael's pretty pissed. Like, he's really angry. This little graffiti that he would leave would serve as his very public last word. I really wish I could tell you what that word was, but I can't seem to find it. Like I said, it's really hard to find a lot of this stuff on here, and one of the sites that I had found that seemed to have the most information seems to have been scrubbed, which is rather interesting. Back to what happened on that night, or I guess morning, by the time police arrived, which would be a little bit before 4am, and they were arriving because his attorney alerted them that something was going on because he had been awake when he got the email and he was rather worried. Michael entered Burger Up and he wasn't alone. He had a handgun with him. And right there in that restaurant, he ended his life. Naturally, the news of Michael's suicide caused a lot of the neighborhood and the community to be shocked. Not just that, but seeing the vandalization that he had done was really jarring. Especially because at this time, the neighborhood in the area was known to be rather family friendly. And apparently this wasn't always the case. In earlier days, this area, 12 South, was more of like an open air drug market, not so family friendly. However, it has become a lot better of a destination. As the neighborhood's fortunes rose dramatically over the past 20 years, it's turned around and a lot of planning and muscle and so much foresight and building and just beauty has been put into this. It has evolved into one of the hottest communities in the city, at least according to what I can find on the internet. Burger Up's simple menu, which it really is pretty simple, seems to have one occult following from diners and reviewers all alike. It did open in late 2010, and in fact hour-long waits are pretty common. People have even stood outside no matter the weather. Even though Burger Up has drawn so many people and national press, it's still considered to be like this comfortable place, and it seems to be that. A lot of credit still has to go to Michael and Miranda and their entire team. But some of the contributions were very much uniquely Michael's. He apparently built all of the communal tables that gave that room when you walk in its boarding house coziness. It's a very family-oriented restaurant. He built all of the benches and the stools at the bar. It's really, really astonishing sometimes to realize that suicide happens so much more than we could ever imagine, and it affects so many people around us every day. Even you and the places you go to eat. I will say, all in all, Burger Up really did look like it had great food to offer, however, I don't eat meat unless it's seafood. And they only had one option for me, which was a Black bean burger. And it just, once it got cold and it was soggy because the Uber driver was just kind of doing his own thing and got lost in his cell phone. I know because when I went outside to meet him, he couldn't look away from it. Sure hope whatever he was texting was worth it because he had a big old smile on his face. But, anyways, I'm sure the rest of the burgers are delicious. In fact, my friends said that they were. die for he had a patty melt and it was super good so i saw the reviews he said they were delicious and i'm sure they are just maybe not for someone like me who can't have half of if not all of the menu except for one thing and some fries anyways if you are ever in tennessee go check out the bell witch cave and when you're done after you've had a fright of your life and you're starving stop on by burger up and catch a bite to eat And no, I'm not endorsed by the Bell Witch or Burger Up. I'm just here, hanging out in Tennessee and wanted to share these with you. Hope you enjoyed these twisted tales. Thank you, everyone, for coming this morning. Um, This is actually kind of a special interview for me because um, this is the first time I've ever interviewed someone that I've been friends with, I've interviewed, and I've also uh, worked as an employee for. Um, So kind of a special trifecta there. But um, I first met Miranda um, because I interviewed her actually for a local publication called Nashville Lifestyles. Before I say goodbye, what you just heard was actually like the only thing I could find where Miranda was seen. Miranda's Michael's wife and she was being interviewed by apparently someone from her staff. But it wasn't about Michael or anything that happened there. It was about... Miranda's responsibilities in the restaurant business and all that she has done and so forth. So anyways, thank you so much for listening to this episode of What the Actual F. This is definitely a different one than what I usually do, but I'm in a whole different place and I thought this was rather fitting. After all, with a name like What the Actual F, what do you expect? You really think I'm going to do the same thing all the time? Because I'm not as always if you have some story that you would like me to look into maybe you have something of your own you want to share with me send me an email at what's the actual eff harmony at gmail.com lately i've been getting so many emails and i love it i actually have one that i'm putting together thank you so much one of you i will share all the information about it once i start that episode but one of you have reached out to me about being a true member in a recent case about a murder and that's coming real soon because this is interesting especially when i get to talk to somebody who's like right there in the meat and potatoes enjoying the full-on entree yeah it's intense anyways i hope you guys really enjoyed this episode of what the actual app Act coming straight to you from Tennessee. Luckily, I survived telling you all about the Bell Witch and sharing with you that I had a non-so-fantastic burger from a pretty rad burger joint just down the road where a heartbreaking suicide did occur that I found just kind of interesting. Anyways, I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day and thank you so much for sticking around all the way to the end. Really means a lot to me. And hey, in case no one's told you today, I love you. I'm proud of you. You're super awesome. And, well, I guess keep kicking ass, baby. Stay safe, and I can't wait to talk to you on the next episode of What the Actual F. Love you later. Bye.